When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Reality TV Rehap-Ups for the finale of Season 9 of The Amazing Race Canada. My name is Jessica Lees and we're here to break down everything that happened in the season finale of Amazing Race Canada and also give our thoughts on the season as a whole and figure out what we're doing next and where we're going and all of that fun stuff. But before we get started, of course, I have to introduce my wonderful co-host who is a man who always grabs life by the zebra, Mr. Dan Heaton. Hello, Dan. Hello. Um, sorry, I was distracted. I was over there lighting a candle. I just, all I've been doing all day is just lighting candles, Jess. Light that candle. Man, it's like act one of rent up in here. All the candles. So, Dan, congratulations, I guess. Go out to Ty and Kat, who are the winners of season nine. And, of course, to us for calling it stupid early. You know, I mean, I think we, I mean, they won the first leg and we had the benefit of seeing that at the beginning, but even as a few weeks ago, we were not fooled. We, we were not by the, you know, show making it seem like they weren't going to survive. We knew if they made it, even when Tyler and Kayleen seemed to be about to win and get the um, last answer. No, Jess, no, I was not fooled. Were you fooled? Not for a second. In fact, even we went so far as to say that the antipathy that the show seemed to be playing up toward Ty and Cat was not misdirection, but in fact pointed to the ultimate inevitability of their victory. Uh, although I will give props to this episode, I think there was a lot of switching up of order it seemed very competitive there was not any point at which it was like whatever team gets this task right is def the team is definitely going to win so i'll give them that it was a pretty well designed leg and it wasn't a given like it wasn't like tide cat were not anointed the winners the second they set foot on the course no, this was not, I'm, I can't think of, there's, you know, some, especially in the teens with Amazing Race US, where the, even into the 20s, there were stretches where it was just like, there they go. I mean, I think about like um, the the date sort of season um, where, or wait, no, it was a social media season where the dancers, mm -hmm. they like made that jump and it was like, they're off to the races <laughs> and, they yeah. just like got, and they got a good cab and it was like, that's it. It's over. That Amazing Race Canada, like we talked about last week, tends to do, I mean, I don't know if this was the tensest finale we've ever seen, but generally, I mean, we had a case where two, I mean, three teams for a while, but then eventually two teams were right there. And, you know, yes, us as seasoned kind of watchers kind of, I figured it, but if it had gone a different way, if Tyler and Kayleen had won, it wouldn't have been like, what? 
they they built that up enough story and even with the you know way they edited that last task where it could have happened you know and because again because they had enough things i mean i think there were five actual tasks but if you count the times where they just went somewhere and got a clue it was like eight or nine things which i mean hey that's impressive i like that it does it does feel like we got a really comprehensive view of Halifax, which I know Amazing Grace Canada has been there before, but I think there's something to be said for the way the city gets showcased in a final leg. And I thought we really got a variety of things as well, because, you know, nothing I hate more than the the entire finale hinging on like some kind of adrenaline task and whoever gets there first gets to do it first. Like, as we were just talking about with the dancers in the social media season. Uh, but this really relied on a variety of skills. Like you had to have the whole package there or you weren't going to make it through. And we could quibble about the difficulty level of some of these tasks, but I think on the whole, it was well-balanced, but let's go up to the top. I think we're going to start off. Um, one of the better roadblock questions I've seen in a while and um, not what I expected. Uh, who's bad with directions? I thought that was an interesting one to ask. And I wonder like how Ben and Anwar decided that one because they're both equally bad with the directions. I think they just chose the person whose name is first. So it's Ben and Anwar though. Like, I guess it's Ben. We don't yeah. know. We're just going to do that. We're not going to think it because um, yeah, they, um, yeah, this is the the thing is this was probably the most like final kind of thing where you have all the teams going, this is so cool. You know, cat, this is the best moment of my life or something like, I don't know if you said that, but you know, mm -hmm. something similar. To, and I mean, but so they got to ride a cool helicopter. I've never ridden a cool helicopter, you know, neither has cat never ridden a helicopter, but, um, the task was pretty easy. I will say it was mostly just about getting to ride a cool helicopter and then getting the colonel to give you a clue. That was about it. Yeah. Who was it? Was it one of, I, I don't remember if I saw this on Reddit or if I got, if we got a, if we got a tweet about it, but someone compared it to a claw crane and now I can't unsee it. Yes. We did get a, um, a comment about that where, I mean, the one benefit is a claw machine. Mama's. Oh, yeah. Mama's pinky toe. Yeah. And, um, the one thing is, if it was a real claw machine, you would try to get the, the thing you wanted, and then it, it would like squeeze together and fall in like two seconds, and you would get mad and have to do it again. Eventually, you'd end up with something terrible. So this that is not accurate, but the the function looked right. I think. Yeah, I thought I thought the function looked right, and similar levels of skill required there. Um, this actually struck me as very similar to a task that they did in the U.S. season 23 finale, where um, they were in a plane and they had these bags of flour that they had to drop to hit a target. And this was a little bit more precise than that. And they weren't launching the flour themselves, but I think it was kind of same idea. Yeah, I, uh, Travis and Nicole, oh, mm -hmm. Nicole, Nicole, man. But yeah, that one, it was almost like you had to kind of lead it. Like it was, it seemed kind of hard where you had to kind of anticipate where it was going to go because of where it flew, where this, it seemed mostly kind of similar to the, 
um, face-off with the tent, it was all about communicating. And I didn't totally get what the real trick was. There was just a lot of, okay, now, okay, now. And then it would go. And, you know, they all did it. They, they were supposed to have five minutes. And at least what we saw, they all did it three minutes or less. So it didn't seem super hard. I think, again, this was like, you want to start the finale off. I think the show figured they'd all be pretty close together. Um, and luckily, this was not a case where, like, landing the helicopter took an hour and everybody was really spread out. Everybody seemed like they could get up, land, and be all pretty close together. Yeah. Like, here's how you ruin this. Have there be one helicopter. So everybody got their own helicopter. All was well. Um, and this was fine. It was. It it seemed like there was just once you got the trick to it, it was not it was not going to trip somebody up for a very long time. Um, and then, of course, we get the um, I think this is like this is misdirection. I think this is a troll move on Amazing Race Canada's part. They get the clue. They have to go to Staples, which, first of all, <laughs> when was Staples signed on as a sponsor? Because this is news to me. Um, so they go to Staples and they press the easy button and they get their clue. They don't press the easy button because they don't have that in Canada. Um, but what did you make of this unprecedented use of phones to convey clues throughout the rest of the race? Well, you have to remember, Jess, the $250,000 is not normal money. It is money powered by Samsung. Just remember that. Oh. I don't know. I think um, I thought the fact that they're using these pictures might make it really make it hard. But the impression that I got is that all these places, either the cab driver knew where they were, or in one case, just immediately this phone and found it in two seconds. So I think it was designed for all of us. It's one, it's designed to showcase the phone, but two, it's designed to kind of be like, oh, this is harder because it's like, you know, we've seen that where they're like, find this man in this postcard. Like this is early amazing race stuff, mostly us. Um, it felt a little like that, but it seemed like it was mostly just, um, we'll make it visual. We'll showcase, um, the world's greatest phone. Yeah. I, I think so, but I, I have to say, I miss those early amazing race clues where it was just like they'd hand you a picture of something and you had to figure out what it was. And I understand that in season one, they came very, very close to having a team go to the entirely wrong country. And they realized very quickly that they could not in good conscience, just turn them loose on the planet and hope they wound up in the right spot. So I, I get it, but I do like the crypticness of it. and. I also think there's room to do more with that Samsung phone because someone sends me a photo of something. I'm immediately going to reverse Google image search that and find out what it is and where it is. Or I look at the picture and see if there's a geotag on it. Well, I'm sure they were very restricted in what they could do, but that is real. I mean, maybe, I don't know. That's really interesting. <laughs> it did seem like the show kind of um, on a few. I don't know what that is. And then a second later, they knew. Um, it didn't seem like it tripped anyone up too much, at least based on what we saw. But we also, yeah, we didn't see a case like earlier this season when, you know, we discovered the amazing use of the deleted items folder. We didn't see anything <laughs> like that this time. It could have been another, another exciting thing about here's the way you can figure it out. But then we'd only see Ty and Kat do it because they're going to win. So we want to see the smart things they do. 
I think anytime we see them not knowing what something is and then cutting away and coming back and they do know what it is, I'm guessing either they or their cab driver did the exact same thing. Like I, I, I would assume that they are using the internet anytime we're seeing them. We're not seeing them figure something out out of their own brains. Somebody's using the internet. And over the years, like this has become more and more prevalent to the point now where it's just like you can just go to your cab driver and say, let me see your phone for a second. I'll punch it up. But that doesn't make good television. Like The internet has really ruined the amazing race in a lot of ways. Um, like back in the day when they had to go to the airport and go to the internet kiosk at the airport to print things out. I, I think like everybody now having the internet in their pocket is it makes navigation easier and racing much more, much more boring. But anyway, we're going to um, going to the ferry. And I love this. This is a masterful troll move on the part of the amazing race, because I guarantee you every single person going into that ferry terminal thought they were going to have to get on a boat. And I was even fooled for a second because I thought, oh, crap, what's going to happen is. There's going to be a ferry and the ferry only leaves every 15 minutes or something. One team's going to get on it. They're going to be out in front for the rest of the time. Ben and Anwar are going to be three ferries behind. Um, <laughs> that's not what happened. The, the boat was just parked there and they had to go on it to get a clue. And I, I love this for them. I love this troll move of like, hey, we're going to the transportation, but we're not getting on the transportation. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting though because they did that whole thing where Tyler and Kayleen couldn't find it, and it was like, and I was starting to think like, what happens if the ferry leaves? Like, mm -hmm. do then they like does the ferry like cross with the clue box? Do they have like because there might be one ferry coming the other way? Does that also have the clue box or how does that work? It seemed like poor planning, unless it really would never leave until they found it, and this was all kind of like weird editing to make us think that Tyler and Kayleen were going to be in trouble there. But, um, you know, they all found it. And this was another one of those things where, yeah, it was like just an extra thing, like go to this ferry, find it. Oh, and then you're going to go back the other way, which they, they do. I think that is all these things, which sometimes you're like, that's all they did all help though, to possibly switch up the order, especially when they're riding in cabs with their $1,400. Hey, um, they were able to, again, that seems to be the number they use, Jess. I don't know, but they're making them do more because then there is a chance like somebody passes somebody, somebody makes a mistake. There's a lot of different things they can do. Yeah, it, it adds another variable to it. And it also keeps you on your toes because there's also something to be said for you're in the mindset of, OK, I'm going to the ferry terminal. I'm probably getting on a ferry. And you might even like pay your cab driver. And settle up with him because you're like, oh, I'm going to a different town now. You might, you know, you might steal yourself for, oh, I'm going to have like 15 minutes of downtime. And then you have to get back out of that mindset very quickly. So I love this, even though the next thing they're doing, arguably not the most intellectually taxing thing they've ever had to do in a final <laughs> leg of the amazing race, but it was cute and it was fun. So I always love a good independent children's bookstore. I hope they're getting a lot of press and followers for this, um, similar to the Beat Bus, um, which, by the way, I don't think is a thing anymore. 
but oh, I, th- I think COVID probably did it in. I yeah, would think. The I would think that a record bus would do very well during COVID, but that's just me. Um, yes, individually, you just you know you get all masked up and everything. You just go in, you get your records, you leave. They they could drive to your house. It'd be perfect. Yeah, it's like they a bookmobile. They could leave the records, you know, back in the early days, they could like disinfect the outside and spray them and everything. And, you know, you'd be great. Yep. So here's your question, Dan. How many Twitter followers do you reckon Woozle's bookstore has? You know, I thought about looking this up, but I did not. I'm going to say it's got a decent amount, you know. Um, I'm going to say 6,000. Oh, that's you're generous. Uh, they have 3,156 followers, um, and they have a pretty active presence, actually. They are posting a lot about events. They are posting a lot about Amazing Race Canada, which I love. Um, I think if I were going to Halifax, I'd absolutely come here. This looks really cool. It is Canada's oldest children's bookstore, but it is younger than you, Dan. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> what are you saying here? I mean, it's not it's not that young, everyone. Um, <laughs> I, I'm basically the old guy on the Amazing Race or Survivor. Yeah. I mean, same, um, I but... I couldn't even be on Big Brother probably at this point. But really, um, I like that they had the kids. I thought they were just going to listen to the audio based on the clue. And then the fact that they had the kids and the kids read it almost like they were reading to little kids. They were like pointed to the picture. It's like when I would when I went... <laughs> daughter's preschool like here's the picture and here's the picture that's what they did and i thought that was really cute and still ben and anwar especially were just like i don't know this is this is too much but i think the big thing to note here and we saw it i mean other teams may have done it but we only saw it with them is the way ty and cat before they even heard the story went up and just lined up what they heard how they would go and weren't really that far off actually which i thought was really smart because they're essentially like, we're going to, I wouldn't say break it, but come fairly close to breaking the task before we even get to hear from the kids. Yeah, but honestly, none of these books were terribly difficult to figure out what the what the order was probably going to be. Um, and I think like one of them was a counting book. So I think that gets pretty obvious if you're looking at the pictures. It's like, oh, there's three of something in this picture and there's six of something in this picture. I wonder which one comes first. I don't know. Uh, the, only, the only one that seemed difficult on its face was the one with the different animals because it didn't seem like there was any trick to that one. Like that one, you pretty much did have to just straight up memorize it. But the figuring out that there was a morning version of a picture and a nighttime version of a picture and they all went in the same order. I thought was also you really didn't have to make that poor kid read that book multiple times, <laughs> which was Ben nice. and Anwar did. They yeah. they made him read it multiple times. I have to say, but um, yeah, this is the point day. at which yeah, <laughs> this is the point at which Ben and Anwar really fall out of it, and they kind of get the Nick and Matt memorial treatment of the team that falls out of it early on, and it becomes kind of a it's almost like a mid leg elimination. Yeah, they tried really hard. I mean, they make they make more appearances. I mean, we do see, well, I mean, further down the road, we'll see 
the show made sure to point out them arriving when Tyler and Kayleen were leaving. That was the sea dude. That's a few tasks mm-hmm. ahead. But, um, you know, and they did get to the dances when the other people were there. But this is really like it was at this point where I went. Yeah, I think I don't know that it's not even just that they were behind. It was kind of the, the way the show was presenting them a bit where I was like, they don't seem to be, they seem to be kind of getting like, you know, last week I said they'd probably finish second. I'm like, I don't know. I might've been a little, little generous there just because it's not that they did anything terribly wrong, but even the way they were being presented was not like a really serious contender at that point. Yeah. Well, we flagged it early on. We didn't see anything of Ben and Anwar until about leg four. Like I would routinely forget that they were even there. They just sort of blended into the background. And then the story became that they were always in contention, but never won. And they were not necessarily like the savviest racers, but they were good strategically and their social bonds helped them get far. And it was like, your social bond is worth absolutely nothing in the final leg of the amazing race. If you're still talking about social bonds at this point, you got problems. Speaking of Amazing Race 23, but it did seem like they were not getting as much story as the other two teams. Like we've we've seen some of the same like pictures and the same sound bites multiple times for both Tyler and Kayleen and Ty and Kat. But Ben and Anwar, this was really like the first this was the first leg where we got photos of them as kids. So <laughs> That's how you know that they're not necessarily top contenders. Yeah, I mean, I was I wrote down a few things about John's intro to each team, and it was like you know, time cat. It's like they've been on top. They've had hard work, fun, and love. Okay, and Tyler Kayleen, it was like the smart, smooth, is fast. They're really resilient. He mentioned Jody, and then Ben and Anwar. It was like they've never won, and they <laughs> use social strategy and they're adaptive. And I was like, are adaptable? I was like. Okay, only the only way this story works is the whole never won and then win. But I feel like that would have been slammed into us like reporters. That would have been just, and that really wasn't that much. That was just a couple times. And they did show things about how they want to, you know, their parent, they talked about how their parents walk so they can run and then they want the next generation to fly. And I thought that was nice. But again, you're not seeing this like heartfelt thing about the humble Bronco of you know the bracelets or you know tyler in the hospital and everything and it's like one of those cases where you're like um yeah i'm sorry it's hard to compete with a double amputee and then an accident not that they're competing with tragedy i don't mean that i just mean that the show is presenting things in a certain way yeah then the show could have downplayed the other two stories and given more lip service to ben and anwar if they had been the winners because they would have been trying to package the winners edit for us. And, you know, to your point, Dan, this is how I called the winners of amazing race us season 27. I'm like, all they ever talk about every week is Joey and Kelsey haven't won a leg yet. Joey and Kelsey haven't won a leg. Do you think they'll ever win a leg? I'm like, yeah, they're going to win the last leg because (laughs) they never stopped talking about this. And it really wasn't as much of a thing for Ben and Anwar. They were really portrayed as competent, if not, you know, competitive for the top spot. And it's like, we have to have three teams in the finale. So this is our third team. Ben and Anwar are also appearing on this program. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. They really did get kind of um, dropped off the show. We never saw them do the crossword at the end or anything. It was just like, we didn't even see them get there and like, maybe they'll catch up. It was like, no, no, no guys. We only have 40 something minutes, you know, but I don't mean to just dump on them. They had a good season and they, they were a team that never had a bad leg. They were never really in danger. Um, now, I don't know if that's just because Jermaine and Justin, you know, had that disaster leg, but just they were never in danger, but they also never won. So that that tells you something. I, guess. I mean, they were they were presented as being the team that might be that might upset the near certainty that Jermaine and Justin were going to be last. Like there was one week where they they screwed up the navigation so badly that they were in contention, but it there was always a team failing harder than them when they did fail, for sure. <laughs> we um, did not fail as bad as everyone else. I, I mean, that is really the point of the Amazing Race is like, just don't be the team that fails the hardest <laughs> until the final leg and then don't fail at all. Uh, it is interesting, though. I think the way that you have to tell the story of the Amazing Race in order to preserve the suspense and and really tell the story holistically you really don't let your winners ever have the last word because your winners check in and then there's still two more teams out there running the race and so it's really always the third place team that kind of gets the final shot and they'll cut back to like the they'll cut back to the winners at the end being like you know i'm going to disney world or whatever they do but they really you're always the last moment of the race proper is the third place team crossing the finish line and or opening a clue saying you are too far behind and the race is already over. Um, We haven't had that in quite a long time, but it's almost like if you're looking for, if you're looking for telling a complete story, you'd almost rather come in third place than second. Yeah, I mean, I guess also, too, you get to third. It's not like it's one of those things like only if we had gotten that word. It's more like, well, we finished and we think each other are great. We've been friends forever. You know, you kind of get that point yeah. in second. It's like, I, I mean, we're jumping way ahead. But Kayleen crying. I was like, oh. Yeah, you know, I've heard that Olympic medalists are often unhappier about silver than bronze. And I think it's the same principle at work here because you are so close to winning that top spot if you get the silver medal. But if you get the bronze, it's like, hey, I got a medal. <laughs> I beat that fourth place person by 0.01 seconds. Yeah, that person, I'm awesome. That person didn't get a medal and I did. So I, I kind of get it. And I, I think they do seem a little bit more at peace with that. Um, but it, it is really hard to see it's really hard to watch someone fall apart like that at the end when they really had nothing to be ashamed of. Like I thought they ran a great race and there's not one thing you could point to and say, this is the thing, but we're skipping ahead a little bit because we do need to talk about Dan. It's your favorite type of task here. We got the choreographed dance and it's not just one choreographed dance. It's three choreographed dances. That was my favorite part of this. What I knew of this task was that they each had to do one and then they had to do together. And so I like, I, normally you don't see that. It's always, they do a choreographed dance and then one of them's terrible and one of them's great or they one of them does it with the roadblock or whatever. This, 
They each get their own and you get the little ding. But the hardest one was the last one. It seemed like none of them seemed impossible. This was not kind of, I mean, a little bit like the block. This did none of these, like this didn't feel like a task where they were like, they didn't want to leave a team here while everyone checked in at the finish line. So it wasn't super hard, but I, I liked the fact that we saw a little bit of it and everybody tried dancing. I, it was, you know, Tyler was again, struggling with pain with having to do this. And we got a commercial cut there, but just in general, I think that, um, you know, we had, I should mention there were three different dances. You had the indigenous shawl, you had, which seemed to be the easiest, no offense to that dance, the Scottish Highland where you, you know, and you got the sword at the end. So that was fun. And then the Punjabi Bagra. And so that's where they did it together. And that's where teams would fail a bit. Um, eventually teams started to get it. But this also was another case. This was a case where Ben and Anwar, I think, lost more time. Ty and Cat finished first, at least for now. They seem to just be on a roll. But I don't know. Was there anything else from this that you enjoyed on this job? Um, well, it wasn't clear to me at first. Um, I sort of glossed over the part where it was like one person does the shawl, one person does the Highland dance, and then you both have to do the Bagra. And so for a second, I was really confused. Like, are you just choosing which one you want to do first? And then I felt really bad for the Bagra guy because he turned out to be having the most fun and it turned out to be the most fun looking dance. And I was like, well, why didn't you guys just do that one first? But it seems like there was a specific order you had to do them in. And so I guess I was, I need to pay closer attention when they're reading the clues, but it really seemed like everybody there was having a lot of fun. And this was a really cool way to underscore again how Canada is such a multicultural mosaic of people from all over the world bringing their own traditions together. And the fact that they all do it in like one ensemble, like that's something I would love to see. I think it, it's legitimately, it's very cool and it's very different. And the show really goes out of their way to, to showcase that kind of cultural presentation in every city they go to but the fact that they have this baked in it's it's like tailor-made for an amazing race challenge and it was great definitely yeah that's the thing i mean i was thinking last year this made me think of the one where they had to sit in the chair do the dance with their legs or keep up with that and i remember thinking of that too that that was a completely different style from this and so there's just you know and i should even mention with ben and anwar that i probably undersold a bit they did make a really nice kind of speech at the end about diversity in Canada and everything else since we were talking about that. But that does kind of relate to this in the sense where it's just like the show finds interesting ways without like saying this is because, you know, these three dances show they didn't really hit us over the head, but they just they just did it in a nice way. And also, I will say, Jess, I also didn't really understand. I don't think they the show explained it very well with the dance because i was thinking they each pick one and then was kind of confused by oh then they're trying this other dance with you know practicing so i don't think the show I, i'd have to go back and watch it again but at least in quick watching it did seem a little confusing yeah yeah well they had a lot to pack in i guess i can't fault them for not really sticking to the nitty-gritty the dance tasks i don't know it's a mixed bag because I think they are probably a lot more, the judging is probably a lot more subjective than 
a lot more objective than we are led to believe because there's such a like there's such a variance in how these things are judged. Like sometimes you have to get those steps exactly right and your foot has to hit at this angle exactly right and you have to hit it on the beat. And then other times it's like, well, if you do all the steps in the right order, then you do it correctly. And this seemed to be this seemed leaning more towards the latter than the former. But on the other hand, they had to learn three rather than one. So we have to cut them a little bit of slack in that department. Yeah, Ty, um, at least in one we saw where they got it, um, not on the timing. He was doing all the dances, but I did notice I'm like, he's not really with, you know, Kat's over there with the person. And then Ty's, I'm like, uh, but they got it. So apparently that was enough. But yeah, I enjoyed this. I have a quick, you know, I don't know how much time, five minutes, if that, that the show spent on it as we kind of rolled right into roadblock number two. Yes, roadblock number two, who can ride the waves, involves going out on a on a skidoo and rescuing a dollar store inflatable zebra. <laughs> how did that zebra like if, if that was a real zebra, how would that end up in the water out there? That's the question. I've read Life of Pi. I believe it. <laughs> it could happen, I guess. You know, um, I don't know if a person on a sea-doo could pick up a zebra. They're not light. Yes, they're not. No, they're really not. Um, and I think you'd have to get buy-in from the zebra at that point. Um, but this is like, why is it a zebra? I, I, this was also something that was glossed over, and I really have to know. Why is it a zebra? They did not say. They didn't say anything. They just, it was just like John presented. He said, they're going to have to go through a mark course and then rescue a floating zebra. It went right on. I was like, what? Why? Why? I thought there was going to be one of those things. It was like a like a dummy, like you would use like lifeguards use. But no, maybe lifeguards now are using floating zebras. Maybe that's a thing. Yeah. And even if it was like something like a giant rubber duck or something that was like something that you expect to see floating in water. But the zebra is just like, and oh, now we're going to get a million tweets of people being <laughs> like, oh, don't you remember the great Halifax zebra flood of 1835? I'm like, no, I don't. And if there was such a story, I feel like we should have learned about it. Or maybe every Canadian already knows about it. They teach it in Canadian history in the first grade. And you and I, because we are Americans, we just didn't catch it. Well, I did just search for Halifax zebra just to make sure there was nothing. <laughs> And uh, nope, there's nothing. I mean, there's, you know, <laughs> Zebra is the name of Halifax's premier deck builders. They offer quality wood, Jess. So I don't know. I don't think it's anything like that. Yeah, this this podcast is brought to you by Zebra Builders of Halifax. <laughs> you see how we just slipped it in there, you know. That was organic. <laughs> they sent us some wood yes. know, or some, some composite decks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, there's not much to say about this. I mean, a jet ski is not hard to master the controls of. Like you may have to run the course a couple of times just to get the rhythms of it. But you're also you're not going faster than about 35 miles an hour because um, I have um, I have driven a jet ski or two in my time and I did try to bottom it out to see how fast it could go. And that was about the point where it really couldn't go much faster than that. Well, yeah, I mean. Kayleen missed the zebra, which allowed, because I should mention the big thing here is tying cat. I mean, the big thing for the, I don't know how big it was for the race, but tying cat say, we're just going to leave our backpacks in our, with our cab, Eddie, you know, 
Eddie the cab driver. And, um, but then they had to give their IDs and their driver's licenses. So they had to go find Eddie. And there was a lot of, where's Eddie? Where's <laughs> Eddie? And that was kind of the big part. And then Tyler and Kaylee, you see how close they were past them, not like fake past them. They were actually ahead. But then Kayleen missed, and then Ty, on his first try, got it. So then Ty and Kat were able to then move back ahead. But again, these teams were very close. And then as, much later, as Tyler, as Kayleen was basically finishing, Ben and Anwar showed up. And they were in the same shot, Jess, like I mentioned. They were there. Yep, we did see them in the same shot. There's not a deep fake. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. There was so much switching up in that moment because you had Ty and Kat like getting their ID, Tyler and Kayleen jump ahead, and then Kayleen doesn't make it on the first attempt and Ty gets on, on the first. And so they're really neck and neck that entire time. And so it really going into the crossword puzzle, I think it is anyone's game. If someone is really good at crosswords, they could probably nail it. Yeah, because what we saw. Like they got not to totally just jump over the sea dew, but they they got <laughs> to the crossword at um the Queen's Mark. And um what we saw was early on Ty and Cat had four of them and Tyler and Kathleen had two. So we're basically the thought is that I mean that pretty much could have I don't want to say that because it makes me seem like I'm blaming Kayleen Miss Zebra, but really they were so close, like two were two clues. It was a, they were essentially even, but maybe that little bit helped. But you did get a case where not as much like last year, where last season you had all three teams there, and really it almost seemed like they all were basically nearly starting from scratch. Though I think Catherine Carey got a slight. This was very close with those two teams. Yeah, um, Dan, are you a crossword guy? I like crosswords. I, I most recently when I was on a plane, I was really really annoyed that they no longer have a Southwest magazine because I would often kill multiple hours doing crosswords. But I will say, I think I'm good at them. And then you get to like the New York Times uh, like level and you get past like Wednesday and I'm like, oh no. I'm, <laughs> I have like a daily calendar. And I get to Wednesday and I'm like, this is getting really embarrassing. This is just getting bad. So I think there is a limit. So, you know, I'm okay. I wouldn't say I'm great, but this crossword... Didn't seem impossible. That's what I will say. No, it, it is a more annoying type of crossword because, you know, the New York Times crosswords are all like compact and every every letter has two purposes, basically. And this one, it was like you're really only connecting about a third of the letters to each other. So it you really did have to figure out the clues. And in that regard, I think it's a lot harder now. I'm not as much of a cruciverbalist as um, RHAP listener Laura Evinger Dean, who shout out has a crossword in the Wall Street Journal coming out very soon, um, and that is impressive. Like people that make crosswords blow my mind, but I'm a crossword person for sure. Um, I do the Times puzzle every day, and I looked at this and I thought, well, this is not like the Times puzzle gives you enough. Like if you get one. If you get one word correct, you now have a clue to like five other words. And this one didn't give you that. And there were a couple of points where like if Tartier and Backpack could be the same clue. <laughs> that's a little bit that's a little bit sus is all I'm saying. Um, what I wish they had done and it, it appeared that they sort of did this was 
I wish they had just given you only enough letters to do the whole puzzle. I think that would have added an angle onto it that would have been interesting. It makes it more like sort of those fill-in puzzles where they give you all the words and you have to figure out how they match up to each other. Yeah, that's what I've... Uh, like the point where Ty said they didn't have an O because they were spelling Tartier wrong, which wasn't the clue mm-hmm. anyway. But I thought at that point they only got certain the right amount of letters. I'm like, oh, that's kind of clever. They only get the certain amount of letters. But no, they had a lot of extra letters. Like for when they took that off and put on backpack, there was all kinds of letters flying around. I don't know how many they had. They had a lot of them. So I think two things. One, I think that would have been better. And also the mixing of generic race terms, like race terms being amazing race terms, to mm-hmm. be clear. Generic amazing race terms like backpack with actual terms of places they went. I don't love that. I think it had you. Had, I think that, I mean, I guess they might've done that on purpose, the show, because the show likes to do it where most of the clues are easy. Like we had last season and then a few things are hard. And maybe that's why they did that to possibly trip people up where you could have that moment where everybody was one away. They figure it out. Yeah, In that respect, I think it makes good television, but from a puzzling standpoint, I I have some notes for sure. Um, like I, I some of the words that you have are like train, plane, backpack. I I think I would have liked this better if it had been if it had been more hyper specific. Like I loved everybody getting tripped up on vault because they were thinking of it as like, well, we were in a museum, it was an exhibit. How do we make this fit in the space? And it took them a long time to get around to the fact that it was called a vault. Yeah. It seems like they, there were enough things this season where they could have just done things. They didn't have to make it like geographic, like really complicated. Cause then you run into the spelling issue. Like we saw with, um, with Tartier, you know, but if they could have done more with, um, you know, even some of the various tasks they did or, you know, I don't know, even like, it'd be like, which one did Justin not able to do? Bungie, Bungie, that was, oh, wait, no, table. No, oh, sorry. But no, it's, you, you could mix it up a little bit. We're not too ridiculous. But again, it's not so generic. Like, what, the backpack one, I mean, come on, guys. On the other hand, it turns out that that's not how you spell Tartier at all. It doesn't have any A's in it whatsoever. (laughs) So the fact that multiple people got there that way, it's it's tortier. So it is that O-U-R and not an A-R. Are they confusing it with tartar, maybe? So in that respect, I guess, like, there is only one right answer. But still, backpack would not have been top of mind for me at all. Well, I guess that's Ty did originally think there should be an O. Mm-hmm. He was he was on the right track there, but then they put in an A because there was no O, but they couldn't they had to it took a while for them to kind of their brains to kind of realize, oh no, it's it's a much dumber answer. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's what they were thinking too up in the clouds. Yeah. Yeah, they were you know, they were zooming out. They're trying to play 4D chess with a, you know, third grade crossword puzzle. Like I actually my seven year old and I do crossword puzzles that are on this level of difficulty. Um, we had to do one recently that was based on all of the diary of a wimpy kid books. 
And it was like the puzzle aspect of it was no help. It was all trivia all the time. Might have done okay on that, I think. Um, you know, she's she's also listened to the audiobooks of some of those and mm-hmm. the movies and the book. The movies are much different. That's that's almost a separate thing. But the books, the audiobooks are a lot to take, Jess. They're yeah. they're they're a lot to take. But um <laughs> so here's the Lindsay asked this question. Kind of our, you know, do you think the final memory test was too easy? Now we've already talked about kind of our quibbles with it, but in terms of just overall easy or hard, what do you think on that? It's on the easy side, like compared to some of the other memory challenges we've had, I think it it does skew a little bit easy. It is easier than I would have liked to see it. Um, but on the other hand, I think. It's also not the only memory challenge you have this leg. I kind of like it. And then Amazing Race 27 did the same thing where you had multiple memory challenges kind of split into two different tasks. I kind of like that because I also think the memory challenge is kind of overblown here. Because after a certain number of seasons, everybody gets used to the fact that there's going to be one. And that sort of breaks the challenge. So you get people like... In season one of Amazing Race Canada, for instance, they could ask you a bunch of bullshit questions about what flower the greeter was wearing because nobody was prepared to do that except the super fans who were writing everything down. But the more you have those kinds of gimmicks, the more people are just looking out for them and then it just becomes like who can get to their notes the fastest or who remembers the most about what they wrote down and the details kind of it's been a long time since we've had one of those ones where there's been a specific detail you have to remember about each individual thing it's all been sort of scattered so i think people being prepared for one makes it a different approach and i think having it be something very different like this i think makes it a little more interesting even if like the actual task itself was not terribly difficult like i think the gold standard is always going to be that logic puzzle that was in one of the mid seasons of amazing race us where they had to have like every like it there had to be one each of every type of thing and they were all things that you'd seen on the race and it took people hours and hours that was yeah. season 13 yeah. No, or 13 that, or 14. Was the 12? I was trying to think. What, yeah. well, they did it. I think they did it similar. What they did one in 12, but then the one with um, Margie and Luke was really yeah. crazy. Was that, I was trying to think, that was 12 or 14. Right? I think that was, that was 14. And I think 14. the one I'm okay. thinking of is 12 okay. that had all the weird rules. And it was like, are these people going to have to go take the LSAT next? Because that's the level we're at. Um, but yeah, I, it was a little easy, but it was also. At least it was interesting and different. Um, I, the ones where you just have to like match the picture, no shade to the earlier task, this leg, but you know, when it's just a bunch of pictures of what you saw in the, over the course of the race, that's I, it's good game design, but bad television. And this was at least slightly better television. Yeah. And again, they didn't, I mean, last season they had, um, the riddles they had like 27 riddles describing challenges and they put them in order but i i don't remember which one but i know there's basically just one that no one could get because it was like it seemed like it was one thing but it was something else but again with the riddles they think kind of 
let's try something a bit different where we're going to have things you did, but it's not going to be just, um, you know, as basic as here's pictures of 10 places you went, put them in order, which they've done things like that before. And um, I think the crossword was just, and also visually, I think the fact that they could have like a drone and they could show the, boards and them doing it the show the amazing race likes that kind of stuff where they're kind of showing something that looks kind of epic versus sometimes when it's just like they're all looking at a screen and pressing some buttons not as epic this at least it's outside and they're kind of working through something so there was kind of fun i guess yeah it was all right but i guess that's about you can't even really say much about anybody's puzzling skills like everybody did all right it was cool. I mean, Ben and Anwar may have killed it. We just don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Well, <laughs> if, if you ask them, like, <laughs> I, I mean, we don't do exit interviews on this podcast, but if we were to ask Ben and Anwar, 100% they killed it in their first try and they got it in less than five minutes. And that is the story. If, if I was in third place and they didn't show me doing the task, that is 100% what I would tell people whether or not it happened. So Ben yeah, and Anwar, you- we're going to assume they did it in record time. Whether they got there and the show was like, just go to the finish line. We did it so fast. It was like we didn't even do it. Well, And I'm not saying that's what it is. I, I mean, there's, it's likely they were still close enough where they made them do it. This wasn't one of those cases. I just think this task, this leg was not designed with them all, you know, flying to the same place and everything. This leg wasn't really set up for one team to, you know, no one's going to end up in Hawaii or Alaska. You know, some, like you said, some team getting fooled and going to the next country. But yeah, so we, we had a little bit of fake out editing with, oh no, Ty and Cat are stuck behind some traffic. But no, they didn't really, they didn't really push it too hard and they were very happy. And I had forgotten that they weren't already married. I, I didn't because then Cat referenced getting a ring. Ty, I think was like, I'm on it. I was first, I thought, oh no, I mean, not, oh no, I, (laughs) I want them to be happy. And they both seem like really cool people. I was very happy for them, but I was like, are this, I, they haven't, no, if that would have happened, we would have heard about when's he going to marry me that no, no, there was nothing like that. So I think, um, you know, and I did enjoy John, um, when Tyler and Kayleen came in, John had kind of a weird question where he said like, how proud are you? Of yourselves. Like, I thought he was going to say, <laughs> like, Tyler, how proud are you with Kayleen or whatever? He asked really weird. And they're both like, yeah, we're good. We're awesome. It was, it was a really weird way. John almost seemed a little sinister, like, you know, which John, I mean, is not a sinister dude. But I don't know. I mean, it seemed a little lackluster to be like 12,000 miles, 11 cities. I was like, really? Really? That, that's it, John? But, um, you know, fun, fun ending, I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, Dan, Ty and Cat are 25. They got their whole lives ahead of them. We don't need to be <laughs> rushing them off to the altar. I mean, I know. Like, Take your time, the, Ty. Yeah. Up in the hinterlands of Alberta, they might do things different. But, you know, you can wait till you're 30 to get married. It's OK. Like, you got a lot of living to do. Even if, even though you won the amazing race, there's still adventures to be had. So, <laughs> you yes, know. that is true. They're not, you know, no rush. I think it was more like I think John asked a question like could anything top this or some really leading question? And I think that's where it, she was very like, well, maybe that it was, it was, there was nothing really super passive aggressive or nasty. They were, you know, I, I did want to met too. their, um, their shirts they were both wearing. 
which mm-hmm. um, said not alone, which said, you know, it's okay to not be okay, which is a mental health organization. Well, I mean, again, I did not, I just happened to notice it on their shirts and be like, oh, I wonder, wonder, you know, I don't know much about that and looked it up. So, but I thought it was cool that they wore that on the finale. And it also is related to the, um, oh, it's actually their, their organization. Now that I'm looking at it, Tyler, founder of mm-hmm. Not Alone, was involved in the Humble Crown. So, I will restate what I'm saying. This is great, great podcasting here, Dan. Really, really good prep. Love the on the fly research. Yeah. um, But no, so it is a mental health organization and seems to be doing a lot of great things, but it is not something where they were just trying to promote an organization. It's an organization that he founded, assuming his last name is Smith, that he founded. And um, okay, just just throwing it out there. And um, I figured the odds were pretty good. And so I thought it was cool even that, um, understandably so, but that it seems like they're doing good, really good things and probably will continue to do so with this money and their Samsung-powered money and trip around the world thanks to Guru. Oh, plus the trucks. Yeah, it's it's nice that this year the prize was not in Marshall's gift cards. I feel <laughs> like that can you can do a lot more good in the world with actual cash money. Yes, there's there's um there's, <laughs> there's nothing greater than getting the gift in Marshall's gift cards. Now instead, you just get a lot of trips. I thought they were a little lazy this season. Last season, they were just like, and you get this, and you get this. And this season, John was just giving out trips. You know, pick it. I want to see like three different gift gift cards at every mat next season, John. Let's do this. Yep, yep. Or at least um, what was the gas station points they had that year? Oh well, they had you know they had the one where it was that, but also they used to get free gas for life. Oh yeah, Petro they don't Canada. get that anymore. No, the, that was when they launched it. And I used to always think, how much gas could you really get with free? And I always think, whenever it's for life, like um, I think it was, um, was it Fernella who won like the Subway sandwiches or, like last season? Yeah. I was like, how many do they really get every time? That's where my brain goes. So, um, but yeah, I, the free gas for life always seemed like a good one, especially. You know, given that at times it's still as high, what was especially high at certain points in the race's history. Yeah. All right. So I think that brings us to the point in the show where we talk about questions. And boy, everybody just dove in at the 11th hour with questions for us. And I am very grateful to all of you, the listeners, for doing that. Uh, Dan put out the call maybe 10 hours ago. And Everybody realized we were recording early this week and they got their questions in. So also it was your last chance. So until next year. So if you got any more thoughts on Amazing Race Canada, we'll have to tackle them offline. But let's go into let's go into some of our feedback here, Dan. Um, let me see where I want to go. I, I think this is a bigger question that we've been talking about all season. I want to go to AM's question here. What can the editors do to make the final results less obvious and predictable? I enjoyed all the teams. Casting is outstanding on the show, and most of the legs were entertaining. There were no surprises. The winners were likable and deserving, but very obvious. That's a tough one because I feel like I feel like they did try in two ways they tried to make tyler and kayleen's story also be at the same level so they did have kind of an alternative and they tried to show adversity and cat in the extendo single leg um not mega leg 
normal leg that was extended to two episodes <laughs> of TV. We don't call it a mega leg because actually this had more tasks than normal mega leg does in the US. <laughs> but regardless, I think um, this season was because of the way things fell, where you had teams fail miserably early on. Sorry, Eddie. Teams really struggle early on. Then you had a couple big teams go out, but kind of when they went out, there wasn't much surprise there. And then all of a sudden you got into the end where it was like, well, the teams that I thought they were going to compete with Ty and Cat are gone. So it's like, what do? But I think the show just needs to do even like work on the final three, especially we need to see enough. And it doesn't mean they all have to have tragedies or whatever. But like you mentioned with the pictures, the show needs to have enough where the Maze Race Canada actually does this better than some other shows. But still, I think it's all about how you present stories. And we can't have a team like Ben and Anwar not appear for four episodes. Or even Devin and Amanda take so long to get started. Where even when they did, I thought, I just don't know if I see it. You, I mean, yes, you can't always edit 11 teams at the front. That's not what I mean. But it's more of those first three episodes or so. Um, it's kind of like how amazing, how not amazing race survivor Australia does intro packages for the teams, but spreads them out over like three episodes or something or four episodes. And here it's not that we have to wait till episode three to find out something about a team, but just seeing teams real quick. And then maybe we don't see them for episodes. I, you can, it's hard, especially when you're podcasting like us to not pick up on, Hey, we didn't see anything of that team till episode five. And they're not going to win. But I, I don't know. Maybe the Amazing Scan is thinking that most people probably aren't watching it like we are. And maybe they think if people are watching things more casually, they won't notice it as much. Well, that is a question that I've always asked myself, Dan. The entire time that you know we've been podcasting about this, you know, that was I've been watching the Amazing Race for 20 years at this point, which is very sad. <laughs> but for 10 of those years, I've been podcasting, which is equally sad. And I have long wondered if the fact that I do a close watch of these shows means that I can pick it out. And I've seen so many seasons of The Amazing Race at this point, I can pick out who's a contender to win. And it's kind of the same thing with Survivor. Or if it is something that somebody who's coming into this fresh would not have that same problem. And I think it's the same, like, cumulatively over time, I wonder... Did they used to be better at doing this editing or did we just have less hard drive space in our brains devoted to reality TV contestants? So we were we felt like we knew them a little bit better because they weren't competing with 500 other contestants that have been on these shows over time. And I. I similarly can't tell if like I've just seen them do the same editing trick over and over or if the earlier seasons were better at it. I honestly don't know the answer to that. And I'm curious, like now, now that I have a child who's like starting to be a more fully formed human, I'm hoping that pretty soon he'll start watching these shows beginning to end with me. And then I will have like a perfectly blank slate. Like he doesn't have the cumulative effect of 300 plus seasons of reality TV rattling around in his little brain. This will be his first time being exposed to these editing tricks and these strategies and these teams. 
And he can tell me if he thinks somebody's invisible or if he if he thinks that a team is being positioned to be the winner. I'm going to be curious to see how that goes with him. Um, and, you know, it's not coming as quickly as I'd like. Like where when I had a child, I was promised, you know, this little mini me who would share my interests and do exactly all the same things I did. And I didn't get that. I want my money back. Well, during the height of the pandemic, we were, I was, my, my daughters and I were watching lots of amazing race. And I have to say, be careful of this. If you don't watch them quick enough, they will reach an age when they stop being interested. No, and that's where I'm getting now where, you know, um, both of them are less interested. I get the, well, I'll watch it with you. If I can play switch while I watch it or whatever, which, at some point, they might as well just not be in the room, you know, at that point, because they're just not paying attention. So that's part of it. But to get to your main point, the editing is part of it. But here's another thing. Um, so I picked Ty and Cat first. And yes, I've had a few others where I picked Steph and Chris and Adam McCourty, But you've also picked the winners quite a few, few times. Gino and Jesse, going back to our first season we did. 2015, Jess. Oh, my gosh. Oh my um, gosh. And, you know, and that's not a you were podcasting group. Well, well, <laughs> sorry, well before that, but, and you also picked the team that's name I always forget from season five. And I think you were very high on Anthony and James who won. So, so in general, the only seasons where I think we, I did not podcast about one and two, which I know you did, um, where there were really surprise winners, especially with season one and, you know, with that, but we're often getting the winners right without seeing the season. Now, is that just types or is how is that possible? Because I the, the intro videos give us nothing. How are we also doing that? And I'm not trying to make this about us, but I'm wondering, I feel like Amazing Race Canada does a better job with casting. It does cast a diverse, diverse group of contestants. But yet still, I mean, yes, I was high on a couple teams that didn't go that far, like Grace and Lil example. But I still don't think I was wrong that they were a good team. It was just the whole the pass and all that. So that can happen. Still, the winners we seem to zone in on. We, if Devin and Amanda had won, we'd be like, okay, okay, that, you know, but that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, it, it's it's also weird. Like, it is a fair point because I also my same seven year old son has picked the last four winners of Amazing Race US based entirely on about ten seconds of video. He just points to him. He's like, those that that guy's gonna win. And he's always right. And it's infuriating. Like he was three years old. He called Colin and Christy as the winners of Amazing Race. I'm like, how do you do that, George? But I I don't know. I think it, it's weird to me that we can do that, especially like given how good Amazing Race Canada is at casting. Although, you know, I'll, I'll say I was surprised last season. I didn't I wasn't as high on Catherine and Craig as you were. Um, and I think there's been a few in there where it's been, it's been a genuine shock. So I don't think we're a hundred percent correct, but I think we are, we do get closer to a hundred percent once we actually see an episode. Right. And that's a problem. Like for Nella, I had, I was just based on their, um, and all this out on it too, on Twitter, but just based on their videos and info, I didn't see it. But once we saw an episode or two, it was like, Oh, Mm-hmm. yeah that was that was because they they probably were they were the craftiest 
in terms of understanding kind of how to do tasks and what they were good and bad at of all the teams last season. Brendan and Connor were just like 100 miles an hour, go, go, go. And Craig had a lot of strength and last season really played to it. But Fresnel really surprised me. And that was a total miss on my part. So it's not like we're always knowing it, but it's just interesting how often it is that way. But I also think the show kind of often sets it up where there's probably two or three teams. You're like, yeah, they're probably not going to win. And you cut that out. Your odds are pretty good. Yeah. I mean, didn't Fresnel go undrafted last year? No, they ended up on my team, but I think they were, we, we, we drafted all of them because there was oh. only 10, but okay. I was, they were my last pick. And I think it came down to, I picked them instead of, I don't know who ended up being picked last, but I, you know, but I remember like the last, last team. Cause I remember the specifically one of them said ninth question mark. Like, <laughs> like that. I was thinking of like, well, the fact that they asked that probably might be a giveaway a little bit. They did better than ninth. If they finished ninth, they probably wouldn't ask that question. But yeah, so that was an example. And not to veer too far into last season. All of a sudden, I'm thinking a lot about last season here <laughs> at the end, but which I haven't haven't done recently. But I don't know. So it's it's very very interesting to see. I wanted to point out something for you, Jess, that you brought up before about the wonderful success of the name Tyler. Ah, yes. Which is continued. We had, you know, um, that came up from Dave Neal28 on Twitter, also known as Gyro GH, who basically we had a picture of all the various Tylers that is on there on Twitter, including, you know, BJ and Tyler, Tyler James, Tyler and Laura. I always forget about that Tyler. I don't, oh, yeah. I forget about that season a lot. Um, then Australia, Tyler and Nathan. I also forgot about. Tyler from season four of Australia, the team that just dominated and won a bunch of legs in a row and they got U-turned. So there's been a lot of success, plus Tyler and Corey, of course. Um, so many. What is it about Tyler and success? Are people named Tyler just wonderful at life? I don't know, but I would say if your name is Tyler, you should probably consider applying for the Amazing Race because I think your chances are better than, you know, your chance of finishing the top floor, practically a guarantee at this point. Uh, there's no corresponding female name to my knowledge. Like there are many more male winners than female winners, which, you know, that's a different rant, but there really haven't been a lot of, there's not been a lot of repetition in female names. Um, there've been two Rachel's, there've been two Kim's. Um, actually there's been three Rachel's. I believe so you know that there are names that are more successful but i don't think we've really got anything anything like the tyler onslaught so and you know in this list of tylers you have like the only ones that haven't finished in first place like one of them mathematically could not be first because there was already a tyler in first place <laughs> like true yeah and then you have Tyler and Corey, one of the most dominant teams in Amazing Race history that probably should have won. And then Tyler and Tom were right out in front until they weren't. So, yeah, if your name is Tyler, I would say apply for the Amazing Race. I, yeah, your chances are good. I was trying to look up any Tyler that did not do well by just searching Amazing Race Tyler. And I can't think of any Tyler that is like, done poorly on because it's not that common of a name i think 
But, um, you know, I haven't done a comprehensive search of all of them. But, you know, I don't know. Oh, maybe I'm missing from all the international seasons. I'm probably missing a Tyler that like went out first or something, but I'm not sure. You know, in the U.S. version, like those are all of the U.S. racers. Like there's there's no like. There's there's no Tyler that's that we're forgetting about, like there may be one. There may be one like hiding in one of the other editions of Amazing Race that we didn't cover here, but you know, throughout the primarily English speaking world of Amazing Race iterations, um, I, I didn't look deeply into Amazing Race Asia or Latin America or Israel or France or Ukraine. I don't think there were any Tyler's racing on Amazing Race Ukraine. <laughs> there are no Tyler's in Amazing Race 35, so that won't be a big giveaway for you here. But no, that's that's unfortunate because I feel like from this point forward, like all of my winner picks for Amazing Race are going to be either who does George think is going to win and who is named Tyler. <laughs> it's pretty good. I don't know. It's a good name for for Amazing Race. Two for two this season. Yep. Yep. It's all it's all good. So Dan, what else we got in questions? Um, well, there's have... one that yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. No. Go ahead. Well, there was one that I had a few thoughts about, so but I, I didn't want to just ask the question and then answer it, which always seems a little <laughs> weird. But I, I can, I guess. <laughs> I, um, Nadine Anderson, bring up a question saying, "Are any other reality shows better than Amazing Race Canada at telling the inspirational stories of contestants?" I was generally moved by tying cats win, bawling, and by all in the final and can't imagine how these would have been handled on other reality shows. And then I'm going to add her second comment right now. Despite the issues of light design and sponsorships and staying in Canada, Mazers Canada consistently cast interesting, diverse people, told their stories well, and made me care about them. And that may be the secret sauce that keeps me coming back every season. Yeah. Well, I'll, true. I'll give you my Go thought, ahead. Dan. And yeah, then give me your thought and then I'll give mine. I will, I will have given you my thoughts and then it is not like you're directly answering the question that you just asked, which I, I do good. that all the time and <laughs> it probably is a bad habit. But um, I'll say I do think Canada does a, a tremendous job of this. And they also do a tremendous job of casting teams that have these stories in their I, – I, I don't think they deliberately go out like they're not ambulance chasing. They're not finding <laughs> like, oh – Let's look up this disaster that happened in Canada and see if any survivors are interested in going on the race. I don't think they do that, but that would be absolutely ghoulish if they did. I, I do think that people applying for the Amazing Race definitely have caught this and will they will catch the eye of casting if they have a good story like this. But I also think that they do such a tremendous job with getting people that have richly detailed stories in general, not just tragic ones or not just having overcome a lot of hardship. And I think they are less concerned with fitting certain stereotypes and like filling the casting buckets than they are with like getting genuinely interesting people that represent Canada well and in many different ways. So yeah, I think casting is great, but I will say I do have a contender for a reality show that does a great job of telling people's inspirational stories. And it is Amazing Race adjacent. I think you know what I'm going to say here, Dan. I'm going to say Tough as Nails does an equally good job, if not a better job yes. sometimes. 
Yes, that was not what I was going to say, but I, that's a great example because I think um, Phil, and Phil's so much more invested in it than he seems he even is with Amazing Race now. Yeah, like I think part of that is, I, I think Amazing Race Canada is done with a tremendous amount of care that probably was put into Amazing Race US for many seasons and arguably may not be quite as much these days. Yeah, so I think that's a great example. I was going to say, I mean, first I'll give an honorable mention to Survivor US, which has made a, in the last four seasons, has made a much better effort, one, to have a more diverse cast, and two, with their storytelling. And I think that's going to include with the long episodes. I hope it's not like Australian Survivor, but they are going, They are. I mean, in terms of length, in terms of slow. But I think that's an honorable mention. I feel like those seasons have been a little shaky but the casting and diversity has been great. They've made a lot of strides. But to me, the crown jewel is Survivor South Africa, mm. especially the last season, Return of the Ass, because they did a very interesting thing with pre versus post-merge. And by doing this, you had this tribe of pre-merger that it meant so much to them to be there, and they didn't think they'd ever come back. And for every time one of them got voted out, it hurt so much. And then even the post-mergers, a lot of them were right after the merge. And they just, and the show also, some people didn't like this last season because there was a lot of crying. There was a lot of speeches. There was a lot of motivation. You know, there was Final Tribal Council. People were saying, I love you people. You've changed me. That kind of stuff. Not everyone loves that. For me, I was totally on board where there were people that I didn't even like in their first season that I was like, oh, I get that person now. They're awesome. They're Cool, I'm for them. And you, I was rooting for like 12 people. So to me, I think that's the that's been the biggest comp. Whereas, especially the last season, they get it. And also they take so much care, one, with the cast, and two, with the way they approach the show. They don't phone in their seasons, which even Amazing Race Canada might phone a task or a leg. I still feel like with their casting, they're trying to do something cool and smart and moving. So I know I kind of go off on a tangent. I could probably talk for an hour about Survivor South Africa, but to me, that's the best example. Yeah, I think that was a great one. I, I actually recently, as in about four hours ago, finished watching The Traders Australia, and they also did a very good job. Um, but part of that, I think that, like Tough as Nails, they don't try to front load everybody's cast intro package in the first episode. They kind of spread it out over the course of the season. So they had 24 people in that cast. And I still, I felt like I got to know a solid 16 to 18 of them. So I was really impressed with how they did that and the diversity of the experiences, the people they cast. And I think us probably still has a lot to learn, although I do think they are getting much better. Hopeful. It's going to be interesting with the long episodes, how that is with editing and with um, showing the teams, especially with 13 teams. Is that right? Um, that's going to be interesting because, you know, Amazing Race Canada, again, typically has only had 10. And even there's a big difference between 10 and 11 or 10 and 12, but 10 and 13 on 13 on Amazing. I mean, this is no Amazing Race Australia. Yeah. Oh, boy. But the last season. But this will this will be interesting to see. and. Um, how it compares after just watching Canada. I mean, we're starting us, I mean, next week. So it's crazy. Yeah. I, there's really no downtime. Like there is no Yadis <laughs> where amazing race is concerned. 
Uh, Dan, are we are we at the bottom of our feedback here? Um, is there anything else we want to get to? Or I, I think we're good. I think we've covered it. I mean, we talked last week about where this season kind of fell. I don't think my feelings have changed that much in terms of I thought it was a solid finale. But I think the strength of the season was the cast. And um, also, they didn't deal with have to deal with all the kind of COVID weirdness like last season. So they were able to kind of have a clean, straightforward season, which I'm sure for the show. And also, I should mention on Twitter, they posted an image that said Amazing Race Canada season 10. More info soon. I was like, soon? Really? Soon already? But so it seems like they are going to have another season based on that. I mean, how could they not? It is Canada's favorite summertime adventure. I, I like I said, I hope they leave or they make a few tweaks because, like I said, I enjoyed the season, especially because I feel like some of the interesties went far. But there are a few, you know, we're up to season 10. I still, I, I wonder if the show, if they ever wanted to kind of jolt it, they might try to do some sort of all star season now that we're up to 10. US did it at 11. I don't know if they would because that would be a little different based on what they've done, especially if they bring back, bring back some possibly ultra competitive teams. But I, I think we're ready for it. Yeah. Um, is there anybody from this season that you could see in an all-star season? Oh, this is an interesting season. I mean, maybe some of those middle teams, not that I think they're such all-stars, like the best racers ever, but I feel like we got the Ty and Kat, Tyler and Kayleen stories and even Ben and Anwar. If it's anyone, I think it'd be it'd be, be some like a gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like Derek and Jazz Paul or <laughs> I don't know. Gracie Lily. I was thinking some of the teams that we didn't seem like we saw the end of. Like we only saw part of it. That's kind of sometimes I like that with All Stars, where if a team has gone front to end eleven episodes, next season I want to spend another eleven episodes seeing the same story. No offense to Tyler and Kayleen, they seem really sweet. But and they're cool people and they're good racers. There's nothing that I didn't enjoy watching about them. But I don't know if I would need to see them again. Yeah, I I would tend to agree, Dan. There's nobody that really jumps out at me. Like I could see a case being made for some of these teams to come back, but they're also like the teams that did the best are teams that kind of fit archetypes that are pretty stacked to begin with. So I'm not sure I see a lot of representation here, although. Yeah, I've been wrong about all-star casting before, considering that season 24 brought back half of a season's cast that I considered fairly forgettable. Yes. Um, But the less we talk about season 24, the better. Um, So I guess that brings us to the end of our program. Um, Dan, what else is going on with you this week? Well, you know, um, I'm still plugging away at my theme park podcast, tomorrow's study podcast. I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I did release the episode where I gave all my thoughts, actually five takeaways on the Disney's destination D23 announcements, but looking ahead, got a few interviews lined up, going to talk about my trip to Kings Island. Like I talked about a lot of fun stuff. So I'm also doing a podcast where tons of people about how they would change the Epcot attraction spaceship Earth because it needs some help. So that's going to be fun in October and then just keep plugging away to the end of the year. Yeah. And hasn't spaceship earth been renovated like two times in the last 15 years? No, it, well, it's been renovated. I don't want to go too far down this road, but we're on the fourth version. However, this version in January, 2008, 
And so it's been like, it's been the longest time where we've had the same version, basically. Yeah, just barely. I was doing the math in my head. Um, just barely. And they announced it right before the pandemic. They were going to change it. And then they scrapped it. They never did. And it's just um, needs some help. That's what I'll say. Well, it's fun, but it needs some help. It goes two miles an hour past a bunch of mannequins. <laughs> oh, Jess. there's <laughs> It's so inspiring when it works. But the problem is, is that on the way down, you're looking at a screen basically showing like a jib, jab, jib jab car. Which, um, yeah. besides my parents, I don't think anyone still sends those. So I think <laughs> I think we need some improvements here. Yeah, jib jab cards were were the hot hot ticket in two thousand eight, but we're we're ready for something new for sure. Um, I'm just worried they're going to make it all a screen. But this is well, your no. podcast that you already did a podcast about this. We don't need to do another one. Yeah, no, it's true. I I'm not like what will they do? It's what should they do? Which are yes. very different things. Yeah, they're gonna make it a screen. Like most overrated attraction in all of in all of Walt Disney World is Toy Story Midway Mania. That's my hot take. That's the hill I'll die on, uh, because all it is is screens. So anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't have a big, argu- I don't have a big argument there. You know, it's um, you like to have things to shoot at, even if it's kind of cheaply made, not just a screen to shoot at. I'm with you. Well. Of course, Amazing Race US is coming right up and we will be covering that over on Robin's podcast in the main channel. And Robin, Mike and I will be covering that. And Robin, Mike will probably be going completely insane because all of the rest of CBS reality is also going to be going on at the same exact time. And they're going to be here for all of it. And of course, with the writer's strike coming up, there's going to be no shortage of reality TV for us to cover. Um, so you can tune into Robin'sPodcast.com and Robinsonwebsite.com, Robinsonpodcast.com. I think we probably own that too, but it is Robinsonwebsite.com. He has both a website and a podcast and you can get all that stuff. And of course, rate, review us and helps us keep the podcast going. This is the Amazing Race feed. I would guess you are listening to this in and that will be the location where you can find all the Amazing Race US coverage as well. And so that's all coming up soon. And of course, over on Post Show Recaps, I'm talking about The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, with our usual panel of Walking Dead aficionados. We're having a lot of fun talking about that. And the show is much better than it has any right to be. I also covered that for Variety.com, dropped right ahead of the of the series premiere. So... I have all that linked on my Twitter and you of course can find us at Twitter to talk about amazing race and all other things. I am at Haymaker Hattie. Dan is at the Dan Heaton. We love hearing from you. Thank you to all of you, the listeners for sticking with us this whole time. Dan, thanks as always for covering our, I believe this is our seventh season of covering amazing race Canada together. And I'm having so much fun doing this with you every summer. Who knew? I mean, now apparently there's going to be a season 10. So Bring it on. I'm, I'm excited to do it. Yep. We'll be right back here next summer, apparently. Um, we're here as long as it is. So thanks again to uh, everybody behind the scenes who helps make this podcast possible. And thanks to you, the listeners, one final time. And we'll see you next summer. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.